Welcome to another episode of Physically Jacked and Financially Static Podcast. Everyone likes the name. So, welcome to Brent, who is all the way over in Arizona, in Scottsdale, who has an interesting uh, setup with Tabloo traveling around the US to go to a different state every six months. In person, I think it's pretty sick. Um, Brent runs a business which is called Close to Fitness and specializes in helping bits of research with home ticket sales. So, thank you very much for your time, Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on. If you guys, uh, you guys see I'm being blinded. The the Arizona sun comes up at like 6 a.m. at this point. So all morning, I'm just getting blasted in the face. But yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped to be here, man. Uh, funny story. You just said you were watching my YouTube a few years ago. I, 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 you make stuff sometimes, right? And you're like, anyone actually fucking watches this stuff? Like, obviously, you like it. Probably both thousands of tribes, whatever. But you wonder if anyone actually watches any of this stuff. I'm just like, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was watching it uh, a couple years ago. And then I still would follow you on on uh, Instagram, so connecting here is, is is a really cool thing for me personally. 100%, 100%. You, you had an interesting question for me, I thought we must record this up conversation with the sales stuff. Yeah, so like I knew you were more like uh, B2C business to consumer, like helping like the general public get more fit, more healthy. When did you sort of transition to like the B2B space to help fit pros as well? And um, that was June last year it started. So I've been thinking about it for a while, like, probably 12, 18 months, but I never wanted to be that guy who's like a business coach, quote, unquote. And mm-hmm. my big thing was like being undeniable in terms of what I, what I do and what I've done. So that I'm in a point where I feel wholeheartedly that I can teach anyone because I've been through all the processes and all the levels and with different problems. And I think that's one of the things that most people miss out on is that even when they're becoming quote, quote, business coaches at the number of fitness business. So like one of the first things I always say to people is like, who weren't the mentor, I'd always ask them was like, do you actually have a fitness business? Or if you know, did you sell it? What happened to it? Because yeah. if you if you don't have one, if you didn't, if you did sell it, it was obviously pretty shit. Because you wouldn't get a successful business. Exactly, hundred um, percent. I I'd say the exact same thing to to our students. Um, you know, if you, if you have a business coach, one that hasn't uh, owned a fitness business personally, I did not, but I've sold for about ten of them. And so my big thing is like, is someone teaching you sales that hasn't actually sold fitness and five, 10 years or at all ever, because that that's a pretty scary thing. And I feel like there's a lot of that in the industry right now. And it's the, that's one of the reasons I started because I always have people begging, like, can you help me? Cause I've been screwed over by X, Y, Z. And eventually you know, I just felt bad. I was like, fine, let's do it. And I really enjoyed doing it. So I was like, okay, fine. Like this is awesome. Maybe what I'm supposed to do and really act about business, which is why I like the podcast and why I like connecting people with you brand. So I can then help other people to help other people improve their lives in terms of fitness. And it's just, and then you challenge, I think, if that makes sense. Oh, it is. It is. It's it's so rewarding to be on the other side of things. Like I know you know how it feels to to take somebody who's in a you know their current state and then project what it could look like in three, six, twelve months, and then actually to help them get there. And then it's a very it's similar but different. Uh, just very rewarding to do the same thing with a business uh, like a Fit Pro to project what it could look like if they get X, Y, and Z in place, and then to actually see them accomplish it is very very rewarding. Um, so, and. One of the reasons why I wanted you on here is we have our head coach will be sick at sales training, but I always like different people's opinions, different people's language, and always learn from everyone. Like, and the big thing is I'm one of his student games. One of the reasons I want to do a podcast is I saw some of the copy from one of the posts you put up, and I was like, I like the way I talk to. I like he's going to be a good guy to talk to. And, and I think sales is probably not probably it's probably the biggest area most people struggle with when it comes to really like building their business, whether it be actually closing themselves and starting to build a team. Um, mm-hmm. what would you say is the first thing people should really start to address when they're trying to focus on proving their closing? Yeah. So it, it really depends like what, what the structure looks like. And because 
we we work with fit pros that come from all different backgrounds, right? Like some don't even have their clients sign contracts. Some don't have them uh, commit to any length of time. So like when, when those things aren't in place, it's really hard to have a good, consistent sales process that's functioning every single month without the, the, the baseline things in place, right? It's like a good contract. Again, selling not just month to month, that can be really dangerous. You don't really have predictable revenue. So it's really hard to grow your business without a consistent MRR, monthly recurring revenue. So like as a business owner, stability is everything. I'm sure you can appreciate that, right? So when it comes to improving your sales, um, one is just having those baseline items, which any good business coach like Charlie here will, will have that in place for you, I'm sure. And then the next thing is just what it comes down to is, is having a process, right? I know that sounds kind of generic. If you're just shooting from the hip on every single call, you, you have no idea what's working or not, right? If you have no idea what's working, how can you reduce it down to what is working and then do more of that? You can't. And without that component, you, your, your business won't scale. Yeah, I could agree more. I think it's almost the same as when people are building their business, but they don't know the numbers. Like today, I'll tell people, like, how many other messages you send me when you're selling day? What's your closing percentage? When people don't have a clue what the numbers are. And even I spoke to a friend of mine on Friday, his fitness business does like 60,000 pounds a month. It's like 1,800,000 spores a month. And he doesn't know it proper and lots of it's like, dude, you need to know these numbers. Like, this is critical. It's scary. It's scary. That's why, you know, um, you know, full transparency, the first thing that I do um, is I, I have, before I can determine, you know, if we can help anybody, uh, I have to have a financial picture. I have to know one, if you're profitable each month, because a lot of fit pros, and I'm sure you've come across this as well, feels profitable. It feels like you're closing enough deals, you're bringing in new clients and things are going great until you look at the profit loss statement. You're like, well, wait a minute, right? This month I was actually negative because of the retainer on ads, the ad spend, at, you know, all the the things that you don't, they're not in the forefront of your brain. So when you actually see it at the end of the month, it's not as sexy as that big number that you see up top. I think that's one of the big mistakes people make is they, they focus on headline private revenue rather than actual profit. And then it's like, mm-hmm. the revenue, I think it's the same as Petro like revenue feeds your ego, but profit feeds your family. It's like people focus too much on the top line. And that's why, like, the, one of the best habits any can get into, and this is what I teach what the last line is like, every week on a Friday, I sit down and take every bag, every bag statement and be like, where are we spending money? Where are we spending money? And so I know exactly, like, people where ultimate money is going out and the cash flow of the business throughout the month. And the biggest business gets, the more important that becomes. Oh, absolutely. It's something that, uh, you know, when I invested into like an accounting team for, for my company, it's every month they, they send me a video of exactly that flow, where everything's going, what every uh, margin percent was, everything. And it's like, that is not every Fit Pro is going to be at that level and that's okay, but you should have a baseline. Um, how we set it up is your personal expenses, your business expenses, at least have those two numbers so you can compare to what came in that month. And that's really easy to check. Just go to Stripe, go to Wave, go to whatever you, you collect payments on and just track what came in that last month and what your average bills are. And you'll have you'll have at least a baseline. It won't be as intricate, but it, you'll have a baseline. Why do you think people don't track that? I think, I think they don't know how. And I think they're they're intimidated. Uh, by the numbers, right? They think, you know, they see like a like a balance sheet or like a like an income statement and they're like, ah, that's for someone else, right? But as a business owner, um, unless you can afford that luxury of hiring like a, a an accountant, and I'm sure you will get to that point, um, like if you're a fit pro that's kind of out there grinding, like if you're not at that point, you still have to take responsibility for that because that's arguably the biggest part of your business. Otherwise, I think by this day, you're going to work it out right now, are you potentially working for free? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, if you're not making money, you're not making money, but you want it. Yeah. 
and that's that's a scary thing that I think uh, I think some people don't want to discover is what they're actually profiting at the end of the month and how, like what that smaller number actually looks like after everything is said and done. I'm so coming into sales. One of the things I love when I looked at your Facebook was what you call your push pull buy process. Mm-hmm. What exactly is that? Yeah, so it's it's. Um, it's an interesting, it's kind of like a dance, right? The way I explain it is it's like a dance. So when, when you're talking with a client, I'll give you guys uh, the basic synopsis here just to, just to keep it simple because I could talk for hours, hours and hours. So when you're having a, a conversation with a prospect, um, I think that the tr- traditional method is to basically say, hey, what are your goals? What are your challenges? Okay, sick. I can help you. Here's what it looks like. Here's the price. Once I drop the price, they say no, then it's just a boxing match, right? You're throwing a couple jabs, they're throwing a couple jabs. And then at the end of that 60 minutes, that bell rings and the client's like, all right, I got to go. I have this thing, my kids, whatever it is, like, get me out of here, right? So you both leave with a couple black eyes, nobody's happy, and there's definitely no sale, right? And if there is, if you were able to, you know, kind of uh, work them into a position where they, they felt like they needed to buy, uh, whether it be through like... I don't want to say shame, but a lot of it is shaming in the fitness industry, right? Typically, those clients are, are going to file a chargeback. They're going to file a chargeback or they're going to say, hey, I rushed into that. I don't want to do this anymore. They're going to be a quick cancellation or it's going to be a 15 to 30 day cancellation, right? And nobody wants that as a fit pro, right? So what we did was we kind of, we, we designed a method where it's just like, I explain it like a dance, Charlie. So it's like, uh, guys, if you can imagine me and Charlie here at a middle school dance, right? When you're at the middle school dance, you're like kind of awkward. You're at, you know, an arm's length. You're kind of way out there and it's kind of weird, right? It sounds like so like, dancing. what's that? It sounds like me dancing. What would be weird? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, and I always tell people if, if you see me dancing in any social setting, it's time to go get me out of there. So think about like a middle school dance. You're awkward. Your arms are fully extended. You're kind of doing the dance back and forth, right? We don't like that in sales. I don't like awkward, you know, are you in or are you out, right? Are we, are we, are we dancing or not? So like the push-pull process is, Charlie, what I'm going to do is throughout the call, I'm going to stress test your motivation or your urgency to make a change, okay? So we might be, you know, during the call, and if I'm noticing or I'm picking up on maybe hesitations or possible objections down the road, I'm going to push you away and just kind of see how you respond, okay? So I'm going to push you at an arm's length like we're dancing, right? And I want to see what you're going to do. So for instance, if... Let's say you're you're someone who, and tell me if you've you've come across this client in your career, right? It's someone who has tried everything under the sun. Nothing works, but it's been a long journey, 10, 15 years. They've done Weight Watchers, Optivia, Noom, um, you know, everything, and just nothing works. Have you come across that person? Millions of times. Okay, right. So what I might say, right, just just to push them away and see if this is serious, is hey, listen, um, you know, Sally, I, I just. I just don't get the impression that this is this is like a top priority for you to like, you know, actually make a change and do something like this time around. Tell me if I'm wrong, right? And what I've just done is I've pushed you away. You're at an arm's length. So now I'm going to assess how you're going to respond. Are you going to step in? Yeah. Are you going to say to justify why they did it, right? Exactly. And we're going to do this over and over. So once I push you away, I gauge how you respond. If you do respond and you take a step back in, no. It is time for a change. I am ready for a change. I've tried everything else and it didn't work. I'm ready for one-to-one coaching. If you respond like that, then it's like, okay, well, talk to me about those other programs. Like what specifically wasn't working for you to where, you know, you felt like maybe you were let down. This is the poll process. So again, it's back and forth. I pushed you out. You were extended. You had two options, Charlie. 
Sally could have said, you know, I don't know. I don't know that now is the best time. Okay. So now you've stayed out there, right? You didn't come back in. That's okay. That's okay. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you another gentle push. And if I have to, I'll push you right out the door and off this call. That's okay. Because you might not have been a great client. It might not be the right time. You might be three months out. That's okay too. Okay. But I'm going to save the rest of my 45 minutes that we had on this call and do something else as a business owner. Right. So a ge- uh, like an example of uh, like two pushes would be, hey, I don't get the impression that this is a top priority. Tell me if I'm wrong. And they can say, yeah, I'm just not sure that now is the best time. Okay. Well, what we found, you know, whether it's with us or anyone else, it usually takes about 30 minutes a day to lose, you know, X, Y, Z weight. Right. Do, do you feel like you could find that time again, whether it be with us or anyone else, that would be another push. I'm separating myself. If they say, no, I don't think I could find the time. Well, what, what do you think I should do from there, Charlie? Um, if they said they can't find the time, I'd be pushing back and be like, you don't really want to get in shape or whatever it is. I'd keep pushing. Mm-hmm. I might keep pushing them. Exactly. I might keep pushing them until again, eventually it's like, okay, there's, I, ca- I can't help you. I literally can't help you because you just told me you don't have the time and it's not top priority. What, what can I do on my behalf? Right. I can't force change as a fitness coach. All I can do is facilitate it. But there has to be a certain amount of intrinsic motivation from your side for me to make that work. If there's not, there's nothing I can do, right? So there's a lot to unpack there. Do you have any questions about like the push part of the process? I think it's small. I think I end up doing intuitively, but I think almost if you think about it logically and actually try to think about it as a process, boy, or a call is quite a big way to do it. It sounds like back and forth mm-hmm. because you get people. I find in, do you ever push back on people when it comes to a price point of view? So for example, you get people like they're in, they're in, they're in, they're in. And then mm-hmm. my sense like, oh, I need to think about how it's all on. Mm-hmm. And then you put back on them really hard and like, you never really want to do this. Like, mm-hmm. like um, what's it's written? Someone said to me the like, uh, all white and very white. Like, someone, a friend of mine explained, another friend of mine was that. Um, mm-hmm. Did you push back on them really hard at that point? So it's an objection handling is, and you know what, I'll, I'll walk you through that because what I do, and I, again, I, I told you I market towards it. If, if, you're, if your sales coach isn't taking fitness calls, think twice, right? So I still take fitness calls just to stay steady. Um, it's good practice. And then I break down my own calls for my students, right? So last week I took one um, and it was, a, it was a fear objection. It was a timing objection. Let me think it over over the weekend. Then it was trust and then it was finance and then it was length of time for commitment. She didn't want to commit to six months. So I had six objections that I had to overcover, overcover, overcome. And I had to literally just cross them off one by one by one by one. Finally, at the end of all of that, she said, I'm still not ready to make a decision. So like, that's where you just like the rubber hits the road, like no bullshit. Like, and I'll walk you guys uh, through that process and how I did overcome that objection. And I did get a paid in full there, right? Despite everything. So really quick, once you've pushed them, Charlie, and they're out there and they do give you, there's some reciprocity, right? They push back. They do fight to stay on the call because that's a lot of what they're doing is, is they're, they're convincing you, they're selling you on them being a good client. And that concept, I think, uh, I think blows a lot of people's minds. They have to sell you as much as you're selling them. They have to sell you that they're going to show up on day two. They're going to show up on day 30. They're not going to file a charge back or give a negative review. They're going to be a good client, right? So if they show me that they want to be on the call, now I'm going to pull them in. So this is the other part of like the tandem here, right? The pull process is going to be once they've opened up, hey, I don't get the uh, another another push, right? Just to give you guys an example. If someone says, Charlie, if you told me, 
yeah, you know, dude, I, I've been trying this for five years, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I'm at my end, man. I'm over it, right? If you, if you start to get emotional with me, what I'll do, right? And it's almost like a tease, but it, there's a reason. I might say something like, oh, dude, it can't be that bad. No, it is that bad. No, it's so much worse than even what I just told you. Because now, and then you're going to open up and you're going to tell me all these reasons and justify why it is that bad, right? Now that you've pushed back, I'm going to pull you in. So that pulling in is a part of the process where we we create a space where they can be vulnerable, which is exactly what that, you know, you in this situation will be doing. You know, um, my, my, my sex drive is low. My confidence is low. I wear my t-shirt in the pool. You might start telling me these things and I might say, well, hold on, just just pause for a moment. Let's unpack some of that. You said your sex drive has been low. How, how long has that been going on? See what I'm doing there? Yeah, you are opening me up more to then explain what the real problem is and then like digging in deeper where it's uncomfortable for the, for the other prospects so that that pain is growing and growing and growing. Yep, 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 exactly. So you fought back. Now I'm going to pull you in. I'm going to facilitate this, this moment where you can just open up and spill the beans. I'm going to ask what kind of emotional, mental, physical uh, impact that has had on your life or your relationships, which is going to take us even deeper. Right. And then I'm going to give you a pat on the back for you've been showing up for this call, which is going to set a congruency reframe down the road, which is a whole separate topic there. Well, how would you transition off of that point? I like to give, when people are very vulnerable, I like to give them props for getting on the call. Right. Hey, Charlie, look, thank you, one, for, for, for being vulnerable there, for opening up and kind of letting me, you know, end to what's been going on over the past five years. I guess I just want to say like, thank you and, and, and good for you, man right? Like a lot of people out there, you know, they would have chalked it up five years. Like this is just the way of life. This is just the way things are. Right. And they just accept that. Do you know anyone in your life that's kind of just accepted the way things are? Yeah. Well, you're here, man. I mean, you're here. You're obviously different than those people. You showed up for yourself today. So I just want to give you, you know, I, I want to give kudos for that. I think that's awesome. What did I just do there? You praise me when you gave, I then have a, a positive reflection of trust to you because you're praising me. Mm-hmm. And now you're this person, not that person, right? There are other people who make decisions in other ways who have that result, right? There are those people. And then there's you who makes decisions this way, right? And, and makes this, uh, and will get this result. So now there's two buckets on this person. Those are those people. So when, if you tell me, hey, I need to think about it, I might pull that string, the congruency, the, 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 the identity model. So in terms of advice to that, you pitching the prizes, oh, I need to think about it. You'd be like, why well, will you identify this, this kind of person or this kind of person? The first thing I do, you're, you're perfectly on the right track. The first thing I do when I get any objection is I just want to understand it, right? When you say think about it, what do you, what do you mean exactly? What, like, what are some specific things you'd like to think over just to see if, if I can point you in the best direction? Oh, well, I really need to think about, I've got this coming up, this coming up. I have this vacation. I don't want to restrict myself on that. Okay, well, we're not handling a think about it objection. We're handling a vacation, right? And the fact that they think it might be restrictive. So like, that's a different conversation than if they said, I need to think about the price because that's just a lot of money. Well, that's a finance objection. So think about it objections don't really exist. They're, they always boil down to some other thing. So the mosque, right? It is, it is. It's like they're, they're, they put up a shield. I just need to think it over. They're, they're, Armosi says this best. You're not going to sit in a chair and just scratch your chin for three days and think it over. There's something else going on. What would you say to the two biggest objections you get? Finances and maybe like spouse objection? Spouse we don't get as often just because we pre-handle it hard. Um, we really, really handle that upstream. And that's been very effective. The biggest one would definitely be, be price. And usually 
if you can kind of go through the motions um, of the process effectively before that, handling finance objections is just kind of like, okay, let's move this here. Let's do this. Let's make this work. Does that work for you? Yes, it does. Phenomenal. Because you get the right, like reconfiguring the package of that kind of advice to fix the violence and the inflammation. Say that one more time. Is it more, do you just try and reconfigure the payments so it fits what would work for them, if that makes sense? Exactly. But I won't do that just yet. Okay. The first thing I'm going to do, Charlie, is if you tell me it's too expensive, I need to understand what that's in reference to. Okay. Uh, Because it has not like expensive compared to what? Exactly. Exactly. And I like to give binary options when I objection handle in the beginning. Think about objection handling like 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 a tree. If I give two options, you're going to answer one of two ways. If I do an open-ended question right up top, you you could answer any way that you want. And if I'm a new sales rep or I'm not super experienced, I might not know how to handle that, right? You could say some off-the-wall stuff that I'm like, uh, uh, (laughs) right? And then you got to hurry up and go back and look at your script and see what's going on. I don't like that for for, uh, teaching fit pros. I want to give a this or that option to keep it really simple, okay? So I'm going to ask, Charlie, tell me it's it's a lot of money. It's it's far too much money. I just couldn't afford it, right? Okay. Okay. When you say it's too much, right? Is that in reference to kind of like what's sitting in the bank right now? Or I guess like more of like the value and what you feel like you'd be getting like from our program? Uh, compared to my monthly income. Compared to your monthly income. Okay. So there you just gave me a logical finance. I'm going to understand, okay, can, do you mind if I ask like what that looks like? Or do you mind if I ask if we, if we go into that conversation, are you, is that something you're comfortable with? Yeah. So now we we just branched into two ways. Yeah. We're going logical finance, not your program. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to ask them, I'm going to give your viewers one really good uh, line here, guys. So write this down. Okay. You guys ready? When I handle finance, I get permission first. Get permission first. I cannot say this enough. It is a personal thing to let someone in to, to your financial state, right? Like again, Charlie, if I said, yo, dude, how much money you have coming in each month, you'd be like, all right, dude, relax, right? We just met, okay? So before I do that to a prospect, I don't want them to have the exact same uh, response, right? So I'm going to say, hey, j- just so I understand, is it is it just the money or is it or is it anything else that kind of comes up for you? Uh, it's just the money. Just the money, okay. So here's the question, guys. Charlie, if we, I don't know, if we spend five minutes here and we workshop some different ideas, maybe we find something that works, maybe we don't. Like, that's fine. Is is that something you'd be comfortable with, though, just to workshop some different ideas? Yes. Okay, perfect. Now, you've just given me permission to objection handle you. Do you think the dynamic's going to be a little bit different now? Yeah, I hope so. What was, what was one other thing? Did you catch it that I said in there? I said, we might not be able to make this. We might not be able to find something that works, and that's fine. Right. You gave them a reason for like an out or list. Yeah. I'm not attached to this. I do not care if we find a way to make this work or not, but we're already here. We've already talked for 40 minutes. I would be doing you a disservice if we didn't at least explore some different options. Right. Absolutely. So it, it really just comes down to getting their permission to go over finances. And once they give you that permission, it's like, okay, cool. You are a part of it. I'm not dragging you into this conversation. You're an active part of it. So let's just put our heads together. And now we're on the same side of the table. We're not punching each other like a boxing match. And then what would you go, what would your next step be then? Do you go into the like with your monthly um, expenses? Where do you spend your money? That sort of questions. It, people give clues throughout the call. So if you've given me a dozen clues that, hey, you know, I, I, I'm on fixed income, I'm salaried, and I, my expenses pretty much almost outweigh my, my income, 
then I might go straight into budget just to see like what that looks like. But if you haven't really given me like any indication that that finances are like a big, big struggle, I might just like ask for a starting point, right? It, it seems like you had an amount in mind or like a cutoff. That's a label, right? It seems like. It seems like you had an amount in mind before you hopped on this call. Can can you kind of guide me in that direction? What does that number look like? And I want to just see like what that number is, and then we'll work up or down from there, depending on what I can offer. Do you think one of the key things, so like one of the things I like to people is when I get a price objection, be say that it has to the price, but like what would work for you today? Like just a very open question so that it's forcing them to come up with an answer. Mm-hmm. We do something similar. I say, is there an amount in mind um, that you know is not going to get the lights turned off or take food off the table? I said extremes because most people, like when you said an extreme, it's like, okay, it's not that bad. Like I I could probably do this, right? But I want to set that high extreme because I want to make sure one, that I'm not taking food off the table, right? Because that's going to be a client that cancels in 30 days when their mortgage is due. Wait, so it's, and I guess... You setting that extremes also making them realize that the financial situation probably isn't as bad as they think it is in the net. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's the same concept of like, if you went out and you went shopping, right? Let's say you're going to and you're getting some summer clothes, right? And you see a t-shirt that you like, and you can confidently say, yes, I can afford that or no, I cannot. Otherwise you wouldn't be shopping, right? You don't go to the store, you see a t-shirt you like, and you're like, mm, let me go back. Let me talk to my husband, see if I can buy this t-shirt, uh, review all my finances, think it over for three days, then I'll come back and buy that shirt. That just doesn't happen, right? People know what they objectively can afford and cannot afford. There is a cutoff somewhere. And they, they, they usually tell you that they don't know what that is, but unless you give them some context like I just did, they, they then they'll start to land on a number. Makes a lot of sense. Do you, is there any like, um, other questions or valuable points around that. Because I think, frankly, you know, often people can blow up the sale call earlier on the call, but I think most people probably fail towards the end. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? I think so. I think so. I think they get squirmy around price dropping and things like that, and you can hear it and feel it. And when people are nervous, other people can sense that. Yeah. What would you? What would you attack to beat someone to cover to cover that sort of challenge? Yeah. Perfect. Per- really good question. Um, prehandle. Handle all this. 30 minutes earlier, right? So like the process the, the the process that we use, guys, it's like I want to handle as many things up here in the first 15 minutes of the call to determine if this is worth continuing, right? I want to pre-handle, get them all out in the open and up front. So that way when I'm at the end of the call, it's like I already know what all your possible objections are. I already know that you're bought in because I've pushed you away so many times. I've stress tested the conversation a dozen times and you fought back every single time. If you didn't, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be price dropping. Right. So once you've gone through all those progressions, the end of the call is like, cool, man, it's $4,200 for 12 months. And you're going to do one of two things there. You're going to say, cool, let's do it. All right. I collect a piff. Or you're going to say, can we break that up? And then I'll go down that progression and just see exactly what's going to make the most sense financially for you. What would you say are the key questions you are articles trying to extract that information? There's that yeah, that's a that's a hard one. Um, so I'll give you I'll give you like an example. I'll I'll ask something like, Hey, have have you worked with a like a, a one-to-one coach in the past or what have you done to, to lose this weight? Right? If they say, No, I never worked with a one-to-one coach, then I'll say, Okay, any any particular reason? I just I know they're expensive. Expensive, how do you mean exactly? Well, I heard that they're, you know, they're $600 a month. Then I'm like, okay, so she, she's on the high end. That's good because typically, you know, you might be a little bit lower. Do you know where expectations are straight away, right? 
Exactly. She says, I heard they're like over a hundred bucks a month. And I'm going to, okay, record scratch, pause for a moment. Think, do I have anything that I could even touch a hundred dollars a month? No. Okay. So I'm going to see if there's any wiggle room on that. If it meant achieving X, Y, and Z goals. So now I'm going to compare it to the outcome. Because most people are like, mm, I don't know. I'd probably pay about a hundred bucks for a coach. That seems to be like the cutoff, <laughs> right? I don't know, hundred bucks, but they don't understand one, the value of what they're getting and two, the extent of their problems. And it's not until they understand both of those things that they can justi justify spending $4,200, right? I say 4,200, it's, it can be anywhere. It could be 5K, 6K, whatever you guys charge for a year, but that you have to have pain and you have to have urgency. When someone's at that point and when they're they saying they expect to spend it under dollars, what sort of questions would you ask and then uh, ascertain if, you, if they would pay more? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's that the, the extreme, right? Okay. If I'm understanding correctly, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, Charlie, but it sounds like anything over a hundred dollars would, would put you in a position where maybe, you know, the lights are getting turned off or taking food off the table. Is that right? What I'm doing there is I'm going, you, you said you're so extreme for it. Exactly. I'm going for no, I'm going for no, right? I want you to tell me no there. So a lot of questions that I ask, and again, we're getting deep into this. Um, we could do a podcast uh, episode two, and I'll go into how we um, ask those, uh, how we ask no-oriented questions. That's a whole different topic. But what I want you to do is I want you to say, no, no, it's not that bad. It's not going to get food off the table. Okay. So it sounds like maybe there's a bit of room. Um, tell me, like if you were to uh, go a little bit above a hundred or like if, if, if we went and had that conversation, what would you need to see to justify that, that extra money? Oh, well, I need this, this, and this. I need accountability, one-to-one -one support, and weekly check-ins. Okay, perfect. Anything else? All I'm doing is just building my arsenal for the presentation I'm going to give in 10 minutes. Yeah, she's just right. Yep, yep. So if they tell me, though, guys, if, if they tell you, like, sincerely, anything over $40 will literally take food out of my child's mouth, that's an ethics conversation, okay? I tell my students, uh, if, if it truly is, and, you know, if it's going to make you feel bad, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Um, do what's right for the client always. The chance are they can't really get declined anyway that situation. What's that now? The card's probably going to get declined because that's the situation. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's just, you might get the sale and it might be an ego thing and you can brag in the group chat, but they're going to cancel. They're going to cancel our charge back. So it's like, don't even subject yourself to that. What would you, you're not going to feel good. Do you see that happens frequently? So for me, that'd be a sign that the prospect probably hasn't been qualified correctly before they're on the call. Exactly. A hundred percent. Haven't been qualified either in, in the DMs. And uh, if you do a two call, they should have been qualified way, way deeper in the triage. And then again, re-qualified at the top of your closing call. So there's three qualifying moments for us. Would you recommend to achievable close or walk or close? Two. Every day of the week. Ooh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So uh, on the first call, what are you doing on the first call and then the second call? Good, good question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an example as to why I promote this to all of our clients. Okay, time management. So one thing that we talk about every single like all the time, you you're, you're probably gonna see it a ton more, um, is the one to one to two to one ratio or one to two ratio, right? Every call booked for a closing call should be a thousand dollars contracted on average. Okay, if we're not hitting that metric, that tells me the system is not functioning well. Okay. So for instance, we just had a client and it, it was just so funny because I took a picture of it. She had exactly 83 calls booked and she closed exactly $83,000 last month. I was like, that is the perfect one-to-one -one ratio. Usually it's a little bit more or it's around there, but it was, so if you guys are booking a certain amount of closing calls, you should be closing or contracting that in thousands of USD dollars, right? Now, the reason I, again, 
go back to your question. The two call close is is preferable because of one time management. Okay, two. Um, I think <laughs> I think uh, a mental uh, stability standpoint. Right, if you're getting on calls and you're getting beat up every day all day and you're not closing a high percentage of deals, that doesn't feel good, does it? You lose momentum. You lose momentum. And then you're, and you're like, why am I even doing this, dude? I hate this part of the business. I just want to be an assistant coach, right? Don't want that. Okay. And three, the biggest one, and this is, this is again, last week, um, I took a different sales call and uh, this was on me, guys. I own this. Um, it was for my girlfriend's company and we were pushing for, for a certain number uh, and we were one sale away. So I was like, you know what? Just put her through because um, she triaged her that morning. And I was like, just put her through today. I'll just close her quick. And then we'll hit this this big number, right? It's too quick of a cycle. I don't believe in same day closes. I know that's gonna you're gonna hear a bunch of other business owners flip back out of their chair. I think they're I think they're silly, okay? And this is why. She triaged her, moved her on to a closing call with me. I got on the call, phenomenal conversation, okay? Hit every pain point, hit the push pull process just so consistently. It was beautiful. It was like a perfect choreographed dance, okay? I'm feeling good at the end, right? I, I pitched the paid in full and then uh, basically she's like, oh, that's that's a lot of money. I mean, I just, you know, I just met Brooke earlier today and she's like, I believe in what you guys do. I love it. But that is, that's a lot of money for like just meeting someone off the internet. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, damn it, Brent, this is exactly, <laughs> this is exactly why we do things the way that we do. But because I was trying to help her reach this revenue number, we, we sped up the process a little bit. Again, I own that. Okay. So I made a trust objection for myself. That trust objection wouldn't have existed had she been booked out another day or two and we could nurture her between the triage and the closing call. Wouldn't have happened, okay? She would have been warmed up enough. She would have been um, uh, familiar enough with the content to just pay that money. Instead, I created a freaking think about it objection and a trust objection that I had to overcome. And again, I still wound up getting the paid in full, okay? This is not a brag on me, but it took a half hour of objection handling. The half an hour that I didn't need to spend doing that had I just nurtured her appropriately. Well, that's a really good question. So it, it, two ways for me. One, that you're going to do the typical close, but you did in that scenario, but you think it doesn't matter if there's different personal triage calls to close. And then what do you do in terms of warming them up between the two calls? Like send them podcasts or social media content or something like that? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So first question, uh, throw it back. Who should be doing the triage? I like the business owner doing it. No matter how big your business is, I think you should have a part in that process. And I know, again, some people are not going to like this, but for our students, we're not creating um, we're not creating fit pros that are doing seven figures, like mid seven figures. Okay, I've worked with them, and it, it's it's a it's that's again another conversation. I like building fit pros to a sustainable income that again, sustainable is a key word here, just like we talk in fitness. I want this to be a business that runs very well and it doesn't require all your stress time and energy. Okay. So that number might be 10K a month. That number might be 80K a month or 90K, but we're not pushing into like two, 300,000 a month because most fit pros, they think they want that. And then they want to, they, their heads explode when they get there. Okay. It's a, you know, it's a different ball game. It's a swan that's uh, an expression of like, uh, different levels are different levels. It's like people don't understand the problems that come with scale. They don't. They do not. And most people just want to earn an honest living, be able to go shopping down in you know Scottsdale down at Fashion Square, get a few things that they like, and go back to living a good life. That's a good life to me, right? But we we're 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 conditioned to think that we need to do seven figures and to do all this, but they don't know 
how much stress comes with that. So I really promote people doing again, and that like 10 to uh, upwards at the high end of hundred K a month. Right. So again, just to swing it back to the question before I get off into the weeds on that, I think the business owner should have a part in the front end of the sales process because you don't know if your closer sucks or if you have unqualified leads. The only way to know that for sure is if you triage, you know that you have good leads that you're pushing through and that they're qualified. So if your closer is not closing them, then your closer sucks. Or if the leads that are coming in, you're like, dude, I wouldn't put this on a call with myself. Then you know that maybe your marketing needs some changes. The only way to know that though, as a business owner, is if you're part of that process. If you remove yourself from that process, we've tried it. It doesn't go well. It does not go well not at this size of business. You have to play some part in that. And it doesn't mean you're triaging for 20 hours a day. It might just mean that you you time block an hour or two a day and you take four 15-minute calls in each of those hours. That's plenty. Right, that's spot And in the triage calls, how do you run those? More just um, like a process of trying to warm people up and identify their pain points and challenges and like open it up a bit so they mm-hmm. sit on that before they go into the next call. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. So... Again, you, you don't have a sale if you don't have a pain point, you don't have urgency and a desire to change. Like those are like you you have to have those three things, right? Otherwise, you know, the Jordan Belforts and like all the guys who think that they can close anybody and everybody that walks through the door, it, it, it's not it's not the case. You might close them, but again, we don't factor in cancellations and chargebacks, okay? So they have to have a pain point, urgency and desire. So I wanna, I wanna touch on all those in the triage. If you have all three of those, then I give you a green check mark and I, I'm gonna move you on. And curiosity, curiosity is kind of like the, the cousin of those. They have to be curious about what that next call is going to be about. You have to, you have to identify something in their current process where they're like, hmm, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. It's like, oh yeah, and listen, that we'll, we'll cover that on the next call. We'll do a real deep dive and we'll work on a plan that's, again, that, that's custom to you. I just wanna make sure that that's something that you're open to. And if you create a curiosity, they're usually like, yeah, yeah, I'm really, really curious about what that is. That's well. Mm-hmm. Show up rates go up too when there's curiosity. What would be the, if you had any suggestions of even to raise curiosity for the second call? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So curiosity, it's going to be, it's going to, it's, uh, I say this because my coach did this to me and it was something I never thought about. So I have a fitness coach and he did something so effortless. Okay. I don't think he know he doesn't know I even teach this, which is hilarious, right? I'd never even given him I'd never even told him that I teach this. He's just, touch. Uh, his name is his name is Alex Bush. He's phenomenal. Um it is it's physique development. They got a wonderful podcast, great team of coaches. But I was on the phone with Alex. All right, shout out to Alex here. And he said something that just blew my mind. I told him I was having some back pain, right? And I'd worked with a coach, I've done all this, and I just could not get rid of like this constant back pain, like in my in my shoulder. And we, we had the conversation. He said this, Charlie, he said, you know, based on what you've told me so far, based on your hobbies and things that, you know, that, that you enjoy doing, I've got, I've got some ideas kind of floating around in my head. You know, I'm kind of putting together this, this puzzle as to why you're having this consistent back pain, but we'll, we'll cover that in a minute. And I was like, well, hold on, let's cover that now. <laughs> I was like, tell me what's going on. Right. And I don't think he knew he did it, but I was just like, dude, what, this guy's a genius. Like what, 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 what does he know? Yeah. So we do that all the time on calls. It's like, okay, I, I see what might be going on here. I'm, I'm definitely painting a picture, uh, but we'll, we'll cover that before we do. And then I'm going to continue asking, you know, the push pull questions. That's, that's actually, you, you've done something that I love that, right? So I'm a big fan of like, practicing what you preach. So like I'd fix coach, business managers, and all that stuff, but you learn from other people by being on the other end of the prospect, right? Like you hire, because I'm a fitness coach, like you don't realize the time and then suddenly realize after, 
he just did that to me, but he didn't even realize it because he's really yep. what he does. Yep. Yeah. No, it's exactly what happened. And it's, it's made a world of difference uh, for, for our students, that curiosity aspect, because I, I, again, I recognize that and I was like, wait a minute, that, that felt nice. <laughs> I want my prospects to feel like that. I'm saying, well, we'll start to wrap things up. If you were happy to, I'd love to do a part two on this, because uh, there's loads of other stuff to go to. Two questions for you. Um, one, do you have any sales books you recommend for anyone listening? Two, mm-hmm. do you have any sales training? Or how can people work with you that um, you'd recommend? Yeah, beautiful. So books, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, can I give three? Am I not yeah, three? Because yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't decide between them. Okay. So flip the script, uh, Oren Gloff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, start with no by Jim camp and then, uh, never split the difference by, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Well. Okay. Uh, the, okay. the FBI detective, the, the negotiator, man, I, I drew a blank on his name. Those are my top three. Those things changed everything for me. I really, I really, uh, believe that where they can find me, Charlie. Um, in fact, if, if, if they go to, to you or if they find us on, on, uh, Instagram, we're closers for fitness. Again, we don't do placement. We do, uh, sales coaching. Okay. I know the, the name is, uh, maybe a, perhaps a bit misleading. So closers for fitness on Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, anything else is just Brent Cromer. Okay. And, um, if you have any questions, again, I'm an open book, man. I love talking sales. I can talk it all day. So uh, I'm happy to help anyone here. Well, thank you so much for everyone listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube or watching on Apple Legend forever. Make sure you need to fight for our view and subscribe. Drop a comment below if you can go walk part two. Uh, see you next episode.